Welcome to another episode of the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dyer. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Ohio High School Athletic Association Senior Director of Communications, Tim Street. Tim's going to talk all things high school sports here in the state of Ohio, including the upcoming fall sports tournaments. Believe it or not, they start this weekend with the state golf tournaments up in Columbus area. And everybody wants to know about the winter sports season as well. We're going to talk about that and also the attendance limitations set forth during this COVID-19 pandemic. But as a reminder, this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Greater Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky Chick-fil-A restaurants. Fall is sweeter with a chocolate fudge brownie or mocha cream cold brew. Get yours today. Today I'm joined by OHSA Senior Director of Communications, Tim Street. It's great to have you in the conversation. How are you doing this week? Thanks, Mike. Great to be with you again. I'm doing well. It's tournament time. So obviously we have a lot cooking here at the office, but it's just great that we're in tournaments. That's the most important thing. That it is. And the first fall sports tournament uh, occurs this weekend, believe it or not, in Columbus, as you have divisions two and three boys state golf, along with division two state girls golf uh, happening this weekend. And then more locally next week, uh, in addition to division one, uh, golf tournaments, you're going to have the State Girls Tennis Tournament at the Linder Family Tennis Center in Mason the weekend of October 23rd. But uh, I guess maybe a, a first question for you, Tim, just, uh, you know, having these tournaments, I know this was a, a very strong emphasis for the OHSA going back to late summer, early August, that sort of thing. Um, I mean, how nice is it to be talking about tournaments? And uh, we're just at the start of, um, you know, these right now in mid-October. Right. Well, Mike, you know, we we have said all along that our number one and biggest goal for this 2020 year was that we're playing sports this fall and that we're having tournaments this fall. And our work to do that started back in March when our winter tournaments got shut down. And um, I, I've heard a lot of people say here in the last week or so, you know, think back to where the COVID numbers were in Ohio back in early July and mid July, they, they were not looking good. And, you know, a lot of people have said, if you would have told them then that we'd be in the football playoffs this fall and we're having all of our tournaments, they wouldn't have believed you. But, you know, we, uh, we persevered, our schools persevered, you know, our schools are the ones that are um, taking these safety precautions and all the different things they have to do to make these tournaments happen, they're, they're doing it. You know, they're doing it for their kids. We, we are just so happy that we put that structure in place, that we got the green light from the governor to play. And that's what the vast majority of our schools wanted. And so it's just really exciting that we're playing. It's just such a positive uh, vibe for the majority of our schools, not all of them. You know, there, there's some that are still not playing. And, and we think about them, our heart goes out to them, but um, the majority of our schools can play, and that's what we really pushed for all summer and fall. I know this is a very broad question, but uh, for those that are participating in all the sports for this fall, I mean, do you think from an OHSA perspective, this has gone better than expected in terms of given all the uncertainty and the health and safety concerns of this summer? Do you feel like this season in general has has gone better than what it could be expected? I think so. I think that's a fair statement. Um I think there's more schools that are still competing, especially in football, than what a lot of people thought. Um, you know, when we had 648 schools play in the first round of the football playoffs, 
that's a lot more than I thought there would be. So that is such a, a good thing. And, and just um, all the work that our coaches and athletic administrators did to get to this point, um, you know, you tip your cap to them because they made it happen. And uh, I, I do think that's a fair statement. Just the fact that a lot more schools are playing now than what I think a lot of people thought would be. I know we're all into uh, the seasons and all the sports and every member school is uh, wrapped up in its own uh, athletic department, as it were. But uh, let's get kind of a general sense here of uh, some of these other state finals venues for these other fall sports. So we'll talk about football here in a second. But uh, I know the OHSA has said publicly that, you know, still uncertain uh, where the venues may be for uh, state girls volleyball also for state boys and girls soccer, and then, of course, state football as well. But do you have any update on those venues, Tim? Well, not in terms of a a decision on where those are going, but you're right, Mike, that those three state tournaments, due to several reasons, people can probably assume what those are. But number one, rental costs. Uh, Number two, certain sites um, telling us that they cannot host um, for various reasons, COVID-related. so for, for those reasons, we don't know if we'll be at the Nutter Center for volleyball at Wright State. We don't know if we'll be at Moffray Stadium for the soccer finals. And we, we know for sure we won't be in one stadium for all seven football state championship games. I mean, we, we were told that a long time ago, that we're not going to bring 14 teams to one stadium for the football finals. That's just not a good thing to do. So we'll most likely have two or three sites for the football finals. Um, I, I think that for state volleyball, if we're not at Wright State, we'll be at a uh, another location in the Dayton area. Um, we have a, a couple headquarter things there that we're going to want to stay in Southwest Ohio for the state volleyball tournament. Soccer, I think, will be in Central Ohio. Um, if it's not at Moffray Stadium, it'll be at another location here in Central Ohio. So, um, and then football, like I said, I think it'll be at two or three different sites, maybe even more than that, depending on the matchups. So. Um, Boy, just a, a lot of things are are on the verge of being finalized and decided, but uh, COVID just um, between budgets and, and staffing and, and rental fees have just made some of those larger venues where we want to be for those state tournaments just not possible this fall. And, and really with the attendance um, limitations, we don't need to be in a big stadium. So... You know, we, we can't rent a huge stadium when we can only have 1,500 people there. So, you know, a lot of decisions like that are being made here soon, and we'll communicate that as soon as we can. And just to be clear for our audience, Tim, could you remind everybody the attendance uh, limitations? Um, we, we all know about that during the regular season, but does the same thing apply to the postseason? It does, yeah. That, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a junior high football game or or high school state championship game. Um you know, the Ohio Department of Health, um, unless they give you a variance, the maximum number of people you can have at an outdoor event is 1,500. Um, and for an indoor event, it's 300. So we're already starting to think about winter and, you know, those, those sports that play indoors, obviously. Um, now, we're, we're heading in the right direction, though, because I think I saw that, um, is it the Bengals and Browns that can have 12,000 people there now? So obviously that's a great thing. Um, I I believe that Ohio State football. I'm not sure about UC, but I believe Ohio State football is still saying no fans at all. And I think that might be a Big Ten decision that they have to do. But so well, you know, right now we're at 1,500, and um, it, it is 
I, you know, our athletic directors and our coaches that have to work with that number within that number, um, not just 1,500, it's, it's 15% of your stadium capacity. So if you're in a small stadium and you, you know, 15% might be 280 people and you got to decide which 280 are going to get tickets and, and you're not even going to get all that because you got to give some to your visitor. Um, it, it is really tough. I mean, I, I know that they have just gotten beat up by their uh, communities um, relentlessly this fall uh, because of that limitation. And it's nothing that they did, um, nothing that we did. Um, that's just, that, that's what we're living with right now in COVID. So, um, and that comes from the governor's office and the Ohio Department of Health, but they did give us the green light to play. That was the number one goal we had and we got that. So basically now we're going to take what we can get. I want to remind everybody this High School Insider podcast is presented by our local Greater Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky Chick-fil-A restaurants, where the winning play is always chicken. Log into the Chick-fil-A app for easy ordering. It's cool. You can't compare them um, in terms of, you know, football, for example, but uh, you do see a handful of NFL cities now with fans uh, really coming back in significant numbers. I mean, is there any chance, I'll use football as an example, but any chance that the OHSA could apply for a possible variance uh, for the state football finals, for example, given that there's an, enough time between now and, and mid-November? Uh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we have already been successful in, uh, in a couple of variance requests at, at some other sites. So yeah, I think there's a chance for that. Um, I think the thing we have to weigh is um, even if we do get a variance and get to, let's say 4,000 or 6,000, whatever that might be, is that still enough to cover the cost of renting a large stadium? So that's what we're looking at. Um, a lot, a lot of factors go in there. Um, I tell you, it'd be great if we got a variance for twelve thousand, like the NFL teams got. So, we'll uh, we're gonna we're not gonna hold our breath for that. You know, we know that uh, that that there are bigger factors in those decisions than at the high school level, but we're trying. Speaking of football, just staying with that for a second. Um, the tickets uh, still um, given priority to family and loved ones of those student athletes participating in football, but uh, tickets are $12 each this year for the postseason. Um, definitely a, a rise from uh, the past, um, but can you explain maybe just the, some of the reasons behind that and uh, not only financially, but just, you know, from a logistics standpoint. Sure. You're right, Mike. Yeah. We did have an increase in our ticket prices this year. Absolutely. We, we were discussing uh, a ticket increase uh, anyway, um, for the 2021 school year. Well, we hadn't done that in, in a couple of years, at least for the earlier rounds of the tournament. So we were due for a, a, a slight increase anyway. Um, two things then happened. Number one, um, partly due to the pandemic, but for other reasons too, our ticketing now is completely online. Um, there are no tickets at the gate. Um, there's no um, paper tickets that are, that are printed and, and used. It's all digital. And, and hometown ticketing is our ticketing partner. Uh, they've been great to work with. Um, so we, um, we have some expenses with that. Um, so we definitely um, had some increases there. And then just overall, you know, the, the financial situation we're in led to some ticket price increases. There's no question about it. It can't even hide that part. So we're not trying to. Um, but, you know, there, there's a couple things we've done financially um, Along those lines, we are not giving schools reimbursement for some of their expenses anymore. We just don't have the dollars to do that. We had to increase some ticket prices. Um, 
you know, we're, um, as we've talked about before, as most people know, um, 80% of our revenue comes from ticket sales at tournaments. Well, when you're really limited in how many tickets you can sell, that just puts a complete um, stranglehold on, on your budget. And so that leads to some increases like this. Um, you know, football specifically, though, one of the good things is that we are not, we are not charging our schools a entry fee to get into the football playoffs. So, um, you know, does that mean that there was a slight increase on the tickets for people to go to the game, but we did not charge the schools? You could look at it that way, too. Do you think paper tickets are a thing in the past for high school events? Oh, boy. It's trending that direction, isn't yeah, it? I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah. I know that a lot of our schools right now also use hometown ticketing for their online ticketing. And, and I think there will be more that do that just to avoid the paper tickets. Um, I don't know about you, but I was one that saved the tickets of the right. game I went to when I was growing up. Um, still do that when I go to Reds games and Bengals games. Um, so uh, it, it is kind of a thing that is going away, isn't it? Um, but you know, I, I think that it's trending that direction where they'll just be online. Uh, from your standpoint, will there still be state finals programs available from oh, yeah. you say? Okay. Yes. Um, yeah, good question. So that that's a big part of what I do are, are including state tournament programs. I think those, uh, and we think those are very important. Um, those are, those are history, you know, th- those go in the archives th- that goes in our library. Um, we sell a lot of state tournament programs. Um, so um, it has, I really look at our state tournament programs, not only as history, but they have the state records for the championship games and state tournaments. Those pages uh, go up on people's walls. Um, We have staff members here who played in state tournaments and they have torn out that page from the program of their team and it's up on their wall. Um, So I think that's just one of the really important things we'll do. I'll always advocate for a printed program and, um, even in pandemic, we are still doing programs. In fact, um, I just got my batch of Division Two and Three golf state tournament programs. Mine's around here somewhere. Um, so we're selling those at the OSU golf courses and at North Star this weekend. There you go. Uh, a nice little plug there for uh, <laughs> the programs for the fall sports tournament. One, one more financial point, Tim, if you, if you don't mind. But uh, mm-hmm. in the board of directors notes, uh, board of directors met October 1st, but uh, Board approved the OHSA budget for 2020, 2021, and uh, projected $1.3 million deficit due to uh, the increased or decreased spectators at the tournaments, obviously due to COVID-19. And um, obviously a lot of changes at the OHSA office there in Columbus uh, this year. And uh, new executive director, Doug Ute, um, has been on board for quite some time now. But uh, chief operating officer, uh, Dr. Kimberly Keel, was just named this week as well. And uh just tell us maybe um, from a financial standpoint, some of the uh, discussions or some of the things that are uh, being bounced around as far as uh, addressing this $1.3 million deficit. Sure. Well, for someone who works at the OHSA and knows that that elephant is in the room, that we have a, a, a deficit budget of $1.3 million, that, that's, that's scary. You know, that, that's not a good thing. You know, we're, so the OHSA is a private nonprofit association, and typically every year our income meets our expenses. Um, If we have additional income, that means we're giving reimbursements to schools, we're doing additional scholarships, we're adding programs, we're adding sports. Um, So typically it's it's right even with each other. Um, But that again, as we talked about, that's based on people buying tickets at tournament games. Well, if you can't do that, 
um, then your your income is going to go way down. So for the past of oh, three or four months, maybe five or six months, uh, our financial person has looked at in this coming school year, based on these spectator limitations, this is the amount of revenue that we expect to bring in this year. So, and that that's a small number. Um, to run 26 sports and have an office of 20 people and do all the things that we typically do, um, these are the expenses. Well, we have chipped away at those many times. Um, we're down staff, we're down salaries, we're down benefits, all, all those things keep getting smaller to try to make the deficit less than what it is, but we're still at 1.3 million in, in the deficit. And so we'll probably have more cuts. Um, you know, it, it is, you know, for, for a nonprofit association that is based on ticket sales, that's a tough place to be. <laughs> and, um, you know, Doug Ute knows that he's addressed that and we'll probably have to make some additional um, changes this school year so that we do keep the doors open because that that's number one. I mean, we, there will always be an OHSA as long as our schools want organized postseason tournaments, which I think will always be there. Now we can keep on downsizing what we do. Um, but I think there'll always be an OHSA, but you know, Doug Ute knows that and he's, he's already addressing that. Kim Keel is our new COO. She has an unbelievable background with nonprofits and with budgeting and all those things. So I think she gets it. Uh, you know, she, she uh, hasn't started yet, but she's about to, and, you know, she's walking into a situation where we're, um, we're looking at a deficit budget. That's not a great situation, but she's been there, done that. Um, and, uh, you know, she uh, just in my limited um, conversations with her, uh, we can't wait for her to get started because we obviously have a situation here that, needs addressed. We, we need to keep the doors open. Um, we are not charging our schools a membership fee at this time, but that could happen. We've, we've made that public. Um, so we, we don't want to cut any sports. We don't want to cut any tournaments, um, but we got to keep doing what we do to serve our member schools. Speaking of other sports, Tim, uh, the winter sports season, believe it or not, uh, girls basketball will officially start practice next week, October 23rd. And, um, just give us a sense of we've been hearing for quite some time that winter sports is a full go. Um, but is there any update? Have you, have you heard anything regarding, um, you know, the governor's office giving any guidance uh, specifically to each individual sport in the winter sports season? Well, at the moment, Mike, we are on schedule to start practice on time uh, the way we had already announced it. Um, each sport has their official start date for practice. So we have not made any changes to that. We have not made any changes to when the seasons begin, when the contests begin. Um, so that's the good news. Um, the, I guess the bad news is that we're still looking at um, no more than 300 people in a gym. Um, you know, that, that certainly is going to be tough to work with. Um, uh, but, you know, we, we are in constant communication still with the Ohio Department of Health and uh, the governor's office. Um, Doug, you had a call yesterday from Lieutenant Governor John Husted, where we're continuing to talk about the upcoming winter sports, just like we did the whole month of July and August about the fall sports. You know, this is going to we're, we're not out of the woods yet. So but um, we are trending toward having our normal seasons. Um, we got to see what the tournaments look like. You know, as we've already talked about, we've got some changes and some unknowns for the upcoming fall state tournaments. It's going to be the same thing in February and March with our winter tournaments. So 
we, uh, we, we have time to prepare for that. Uh, that's what we're working on, but um, we just hope that we can have as, as normal of a winter sports season as possible, but you're right. You know, we, there are some unknowns out there and the governor's office and the Ohio department of health um, are calling the shots. And uh, you know, if, if we get to a situation where the COVID numbers are out of control, something's going to happen, you know? And, and so I think everyone's aware of that. Everyone knows that. So the, the safer everyone can be now and follow those safety recommendations, the better chance we'll have of having a normal winter season. I realize there's still some unknowns for the state venues for this fall, but uh, as far as you know, in terms of basketball, um, the boys state tournament would be at St. John arena and then the girls would be at UD arena. Is that correct? Next yeah, year. that's correct. That's uh, we have not announced or made any changes to those two venues yet. But yeah, girls hoops going to UD. That's going to be exciting. And you know, um, the boys uh, played in St. One of the girls played in St. John Arena for so many years. And uh, you know, it had been um, a thought in our office for the past I don't know, maybe a decade almost. Um, that hey, maybe we will have. Uh, the boys tournament back in St. John for a, for a year, you know, it, it's, it's obviously um, got some issues, you know, St. John does, you know, obviously there's not a lot of parking around there. Um, and obviously it's, it's not up to code on some handicap accessibility issues. Um, it, it's not the Schottenstein center. It's not UD arena, but um, there's a lot of people in Ohio that are going to want to see a high school state championship game at St. John arena. Again, I'm one of them. Um, because that's an unbelievable facility and, and place to watch a basketball game. So that'll bring back a lot of great memories. How fantastic would that be just to be able to have those tournaments uh, it, um, this upcoming school year, uh, this upcoming season, as it were. But uh, it's hard to believe. I mean, just uh, talking about um, girls basketball practice starting next week and uh, just thinking back to everything that has transpired since March has been quite mm-hmm. surreal to say the least. But uh, Tim Street, OHSA Senior Director of Communications, Always appreciate your time and perspective and uh, hope you have a good rest of your week. Thanks a lot, Michael. It's good to be with you. You do the same. Well, as you could hear, Tim Street explained a lot of challenges for the OHSA office. They're facing a $1.3 million budget deficit projected for this 2020-2021 school year. But uh, a lot of things in the works, uh, as he mentioned, and uh, we're going to continue to monitor all the developments around the high school sports scene around the state of Ohio. A lot of our teams getting ready, getting amped up for those state tournaments, whether it be an individual or team sport, and uh, we're going to be sure to cover it for you right here in the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. Be sure to check out my story I posted earlier on Wednesday about Cincinnati Public Schools holding their own city championships in football and in volleyball for those member schools who are not participating in OHSA postseason tournaments. I have that for you on WCPO.com. That's all we have for you this week. Be sure to check us out next week right here on the WCPO High School Insider Podcast.